0: time we've been studying the book of Galatians. We've been doing it for a whole year. We've been studying Galatians all year. And um, it's, um, it's been good. We've been learning different things. Every week I get emails from people just saying, hey, this is, uh, this is what uh, God's been speaking to me through this, through this study. At the end of this uh, study, in uh, probably, probably mid-April, end of April, we'll be having our testimony weekend. We're just going to give you the opportunity to share. I hope that what you've been able to put in an email, you'd be willing to share with the, with the family because it's awesome. It is so cool to see what God is doing, and uh, I, I love it. If at, at best or at worst, if you just stand here and read your email or let me read your emails because it's, it's something that I believe that as, um, as a family, it's so good to, to hear and see what God's doing in people's lives and uh, looking forward to that. But we're, we're not there yet. We're still in Galatians. I've been doing a study at home uh, with a guy named Matt Chandler. He's not at my home. He's in Texas. He's, uh, he's a big, b- busy guy, so he doesn't have time for me. But uh, uh, through the, the wonders of the internet, been able to do this study of, of Galatians with their church called the Village Church. You can find it on uh, iTunes if you'd like to uh, continue studying, get some different thoughts. But we've been doing it as a church as well, and it's been pretty, pretty interesting to see. Last week, we started looking at Galatians um, 5, uh, verse 16 to 18. We did three verses, and all we were looking at uh, was part one of what we're looking at today. And we had to, um, we had to kind of have that, that in place. I have to kind of put a disclaimer out there today. If you have children here that are, let's say, under the age of, I don't know, knowing about the birds and bees, this is not a G-rated sermon, so I've warned you. All right? Um, it, it's in the Bible, so I need, to, I need to just put that there. There is kids' church downstairs. We won't watch you leave. All right, but um, Galatians 5 verse 1, it says this, which, wait, that's not Galatians. Hold on in there. Galatians 5.1 says, So Christ has truly set us free. It's just the best part. It's, uh, some versions say it was for freedom that Christ set us free. And it says, Now make sure you stay free and don't get tied up again in slavery to the law. It's probably the one verse that the whole book of Galatians is based around is that you are free in Christ. Just live in that freedom. Don't get tied up into another way. There's one gospel truth, one se- uh, thing that's called good news. Anything else, it's not good news. No matter what it sounds like, it can't save you and it can't offer you the freedom that Christ can. Uh, and we learned last week there's two forces in our life. Remember what we were talking about? Anybody remember what the two forces are? Flesh. Good. Yeah, it's coming back to me now. Flesh is one of them. What's the other one? Holy Spirit, right. Remember we were talking about if you're walking one way and it's like to the mirage, the flesh promises you something. And it's this battle on the inside. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you have this battle, these desires to do good things and these desires to do bad things. And we talked about that last week, that every one of you has these things. I don't want to cover everything from last week or we'll be here till 3 o'clock. So get the podcast uh, and, and check that out. But looking at this thing, it happens for every one of us. I haven't perfected that yet. I'm not perfect. Uh, and uh, I know, shocker, but uh, I'm not. You know, and neither are you. So uh, stop looking at me like that, right? Like, uh, but that's, that's the thought that we've been looking at, that, that it's in every one of us. And there's a thought that now, as being a follower of Christ, you have a choice. You now can choose every day whether you're going to follow the desires of your flesh or you're going to follow the desires that the Holy Spirit has put in you. And we learned that by walking in the Spirit is what Paul was talking about there's, there's ways that we do that. One is that we keep our eyes on Jesus and the gospel. We keep looking at the good news. We keep looking at the fact that it, it was nothing that we could have done. It's what he did on the cross that we celebrate at Easter. We keep looking at that throughout our lives. Uh, and then by setting our minds on him. Our minds, what happens here, what we set our mind on is really, really important. And uh, that's why we do this. That's why we look at the word because we can set our mind on God by reading his word. That's why we worship. Because we can set our mind on him by singing those songs. Why we get together and hang out. Because, you know, sometimes God, like, works in our lives through other people. It's not my favorite way. Uh, because I like it much better when God's like, hey, Mark, you got this little sin thing here. We want to kind of work out in your heart. Like, okay, God, let's do it. You know, let's work on that. And, and then, you know, for like months and months and months, I'm not working on it. And then all of a sudden, he tells like my friend Pete, you know, hey, have you noticed this in Mark? You just mentioned to him, you know, like, whoa! Sheesh, oh, thanks, God. Why'd you tell him? And, but it's just it's this community, right? In community, when you get together and you get to know people, you start to see things in their life. And the Bible talks about it. we sharpen each other. It's, it's out of love. It's encouraging. It's not like there's a judgmental or anything. But it's that thing of, of why we spend time in community and praying, just talking to God and learning different things. Galatians 5, verse 17, we'll skip a whole bunch. It goes to, um, it says uh, the sinful nature wants to do evil. The flesh wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what our sinful nature desires. And these two forces constantly fight each other. So you're not free to carry out your good intentions. And we looked at that. Your flesh is still going to give you desires as your life is going on. But you're free from having to obey those desires. Holy Spirit's given you some as well. And you can choose to walk towards that. And it's in that, we looked at all of that, that you have the choice to walk towards freedom or you have the choice to walk towards the mirage that promises freedom. And in the end, you end up drinking sand, you have the choice. This morning, we want to look at why Paul was talking about that, because he goes into this spot right here, and he says this, when you follow, verse 19, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, when you follow the desires of your flesh, the results are very clear. We're going to read a little bit. We're going to talk a little bit. Uh, right now, we're just going to read a wee little bit, because we're going to talk. That, that whole part, he says, when you follow the desires of your flesh, it says it's, one version says it's painfully clear what happens. When you set your mind on, on the things of the flesh, it's, it's like this. It's like you have train, a train of thought going through in your head. And a train, uh, train of thought runs on tracks. And those tracks take you to a destination. So if you've got your mind is always focused on negative things, let me promise you, you're going to end up um, where the tracks take you to depression. They're going to take you to the end result of that. When it's... Um, when, you, when the train of thought that you have in your mind is, um, is on uh, good things, it's going to take you to that. They always lead to a destination. And so Paul is what he's saying here. He's saying is that I want to clearly spell out for you the tracks that you're on, where they're taking you. So as long as you stay on these tracks, you're going to end up there. And, and so that's what he's, what he's doing with these verses. What Paul is not doing and is really, really important that you understand what he's not doing here. He's not now just about having talked through all this stuff to say, you know, it wasn't about the Ten Commandments and all those things. He's not going to give you a new set of commandments. He's not right now going to be like, oh yeah, I'm now going to give you 15 commandments to keep. Because he says, I'm not focusing on the outward behavior. You know, at the end of what we're we're, um, looking at, it says all of these things which we're going to mention. But he says, let me tell you again, um, as I've said before, that anyone doing uh, anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. What Paul? What Paul? He writes in here, and maybe you've heard sermons on this where they just use these verses. And they're like, hey, if you, if you do this, 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 and this, well, you're not going to heaven. You know, you're not going to inherit the kingdom of God. So stop doing those things. You know, and Paul's saying that's not what I'm talking about. So this morning as we talk through this stuff, that's not what I'm talking about either. I'm not telling you stop doing these kind of things because it doesn't work. What Paul wants to do is, is get to the heart of the, of the matter, not changing the outward. Remember last week we talked about, you know, the blackberry sin you have? You know, whatever it is, is lying, cheating, gossiping, drinking, smoking, whatever, chewing, whatever it is. But, you know, it's this thing you got. And you focus on and you're like, I got to get rid of that. I got to get rid of that. And you're like, you know, I'm a good person, but I lie a little. You know, I'm not a liar. You know, I, I, I might look at porn every once in a while, but I'm, I don't have a lust problem. You know, it's, it's not about me. But Holy Spirit wants to say it is. It is. It, that dirtiness that you feel on the outside, it reveals a dirty heart. There's something that he wants to go a whole lot deeper than just the exterior things. So what Paul is saying too, I'm not focusing on these exterior things. All I'm doing is trying to tell you, you take these tracks, you end up in a life that looks like this. But if your heart becomes transformed by Holy Spirit, when he changes what happens inside of here, you begin to take a different set of tracks. It becomes a whole lot easier to say, I want that. God, I want what you want. It becomes a whole lot easier to say, I don't really want that anymore. Mark chapter 4, it talks about your heart being like soil and everything grows in it. You know that Jack and the beanstalk story when you're a kid? You know, Jack plants magic beans, and they grow into this, this, this beanstalk. Well, that's great if you like beanstalks. but most of us could have no use for that. But if you had magic soil, you could plant anything in. You know, you go steal like a little emblem off a Ferrari and plant it, and now it grows a new Ferrari. You'd be like, heck yes, I can use this. You know, this is good. That's what your heart is. Whatever you plant in your heart, whatever you keep your mind set on ends up in your heart and it grows and it bears fruit in your life. And it's something that's so powerful that if we don't understand um, that, uh, that fact, we'll end up in place and we're like, wow, well, how did I get here? Your heart leads you to different things. And Paul said, said that same thing. That it, and in Proverbs, it talks about guard your heart. Because out of it is coming the, the things that are happening in your life. That's where it's coming from. So he says, it's not commandments, but I just want to show you. Clearly, this is where life ends up if you follow these tracks. So verse 19, he says this. When you follow the, the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. He starts with the first ones. Sexual immorality, impurity, and lustful pleasures. We'll stop there. We're going to talk a little bit about sexuality this morning. Because um, it is, uh, you know, the words that in other versions, it's just, and just in case you're not sure what those are, they're talking about adultery, fornication, which is like, what's fornication? Is that that new TV show, you know, um, California? It's, uh, it, it's some, of you, some of you know. All right, so I have no idea. But, uh, you know, the word, um, the word is actually uh, pornea in the, in the Greek. It's where we get our, our word for pornography. Uh, it's talking about uh, that, but then it, it carries on to, to use these words, lustful living. And then it goes to unbridled, excessive lust. It's this, it's this path that keeps getting worse and worse and worse. And uh, Jesus was saying to his disciples in Matthew and in Mark, he talks to them and says, hey, this stuff like adultery and fornication, all that stuff, that gossip and lying, it all comes out of your heart. Realize Paul's saying the same thing, the stuff coming out of your heart. And the reason I want to talk about this morning is our culture has lost its mind when it comes to this topic. When it talks about sex, it's like, man, they have zero clue, and yet they preach like they know it all. So, and some of you are like, why why are you talking about sex? This is church, man. This is Sunday. It's taboo. We don't talk about that here. I hate to uh, break it to you, but sex was, was God's design. You know, read Genesis 1 and 2. That's where he put the plumbing in. You know, man, woman, you know, that's where, that's where he designed this thing. It's God's it's God's desire. Sometimes you're like, oh, man. I, I talk to young guys. They're like, you know, they're not married, and they struggle with pornography sometimes. They're like, oh, God, just take this away. I don't want to have any sexual desire. I'm like, you don't want to pray that prayer, man. When you get married, you're going to want that, right? So that desire, it's put in there by God, but he says that, it's, that his desire is there, but it, he, he wants you to have a great sex life. Do you ever think about that? God wants you to have a great sex life? I got a whole lot more amens last night on that. Maybe you don't want one. All right, but that's all right. But God's his his plan is that it would be great. It's why he designed it. Uh, but he said that, that this design it happens in a in a certain way. He's, you know, we're saying because God designed it, it's not evil. It's okay to talk about it because it's not a bad thing. And for too long, we've, we've tried to make sex into this, this bad thing that, that for the church, it's like, hey, don't do that, don't do that, don't do that. We have no idea how, what God's design for it was. The thing is, sex is not bad, but it's extremely powerful. You use sex in the wrong way. It's like using a sledgehammer, you know, to kill a fly on your wife's china cabinet. You know, it's like you do incredible damage because you didn't use it for the right purpose. Or maybe, you know, you like, you got to go dig some holes to plant some trees in your garden. You figure, well, Duck Dynasty uses dynamite. I'm going to try that, you know. Stick one in there and blow the whole garden to bits. Why? Because it's powerful. And so God said the same thing about about sex. He said, we got to shore this thing up. We got to put some parameters around this so that it doesn't destroy you. It's the most amazing thing. It has incredible potential. But this is where it belongs. And it belongs between a man and a woman in the covenant of marriage. Covenant, not a word we use too often. Covenant's not just an agreement, but it's where a guy says to a woman, he's like, listen, you know what? I ain't going anywhere. I've seen you at your worst. I know all your craziness, woman, and I am in it. You know, if I'm gonna fight with somebody, it's gonna be you for the rest of my life. You know, that is where I'm not going anywhere. And and, uh, uh, for the wife to say the same thing, you know what? Uh, uh, On this day that I promise for the rest of my life, I'm gonna honor and I'm gonna respect you no matter what. And it's like some of the thoughts are, well, I don't really feel like it. You know, have you seen my husband? Sheesh, you wouldn't respect him neither, you know? But, but he's saying it's not about feeling and it's not about emotion. It's, it, those aren't the kind of things. He's talking about covenant, commitment, that you're committed to something. And it says in that that a man and a wife have the opportunity to find true intimacy, true, uh, true togetherness, true friendship. They have the opportunity. It's not a guarantee, when you put two people together, there's no guarantee that's going to work. you got to work on that. But it gives you the opportunity to have that. You know, in our generation's like, well, you just can't get married like that. You know, like, you got to find out if you're sexually compatible. If you're a man, she's a woman, you're sexually compatible. You watch the grade six video, it tells you, it shows you, you know. It works. That's the part that, that people want to say, we've got to find a way around. The reason it bothers me so much is right now in the church, they're trying to, they're, there's a, a movement that's trying now to say, we've got to change the way we talk to our teens about sex. Because it's naive of, of us as adults to think that there's ever going to be two virgins walking down the aisle again. And it makes me angry. Because I, I believe that, you know, the world and, and what it's trying to say about all this stuff, they've, they've, they've lost their mind. They've elevated sex to such a level that it can't even deliver what it's promising. You know, um, it, it has no chance to, to uh, live up to that. Our society is sex-saturated everywhere. You think, what, Mark, you're talking about in church? Well, you've been listening to it all week wherever you go. You know, everything, everything is sexy. You know, that's a sexy handbag. You know, that's a sexy dress. Well, you got a sexy job, you know, whatever it is. That's, um, it, it's like, it's one of these things that, that they say, hey, this is, this is the whole thing. And you know what, you know why I say it's it, so important? Everything in our advertising tries to sell you based on it. You know, they'll sell anything with that. Every movie, you know, when's the last time you saw married people having sex in a movie? It doesn't happen. You know, when when's the, the, the thing in television, it's just there's so much of it now. And what's happening is with our, our young people especially, it's tying everything to self-worth. Sex being tied to your self-worth. You know, if you're not sexy, you're not worth anything. You wonder and you watch, you look on Facebook, you see the pictures they post on there trying to show themselves as being some sex object at the age of 14, 15. Why? Because there's something of value tied to that. You look at kids, uh, girls taking their own lives because of things that, that happen in this area, like, you know what, how come what the world is promising isn't actually happening? You know, they say, oh, you're going to be happier if you just had more sex, you know? That's it, husbands, you know, if you just had more sex, you'd be happier. The thing is, it's a lie. Otherwise, prostitutes would be the happiest people we know, right? If it was just more sex that makes you happy, it's a lie. It doesn't, it's not, it's not true, you know, I've even talking to people that that have thought, you know, maybe an affair would make my marriage better. Uh-huh. <laughs> just just it, it wasn't him, don't worry. <laughs> you do know your You do know your wife is licensed with handguns, right? Huh? Not in the Bible it's an interesting concept, right? When somebody says that, the thought that they might think that, like, where does that come around that we think an affair would make marriage better? It's, it's an odd concept, and yet it, it, it's out there. Well, I would like to ask you the same, and Paul would probably say the same thing. If he was here, he'd probably sound like Dr. Phil. How's that working for you? It, it really, it really isn't. You know, our flesh, our heart, would love to try and make God look evil, Like God is trying to limit your life and and just totally um, steal away all your fun and make yourself look good, like you're deserving of something and that this is all good for you. But you know what the Bible just talks about? It's in the commitment of the covenant um, of marriage. It's your best opportunity to find real intimacy. It's committed to that covenant, committed to those promises that you made. you know you want to be you want to be strapped into this thing before called marriage, before you even start any of this stuff. you know that's why we have the, these these things called for better, for worse, you know, my wife and I we went skydiving I don't know why she loves things like that, but the thrill of sky that's not my wife, but um, <laughs> see uh just some guy off the internet, but uh they were they were she wanted to go skydiving. And I was like, okay, we'll go skydiving. I'm like terrified. I'm like, why don't we do, you know, 4,000 feet? Dope on a rope. You jump, they pull it. You know, those parachute opens and you're good to go. I was like, no, I want the free fall thrill of just falling for like as far as I can go. And you know how you go know, up 14,000 feet. You know, you look down and fields look like postage stamps. You're just like <gasps> looking out and, and you jump. But, you know, afterwards you prepare. Or before, actually, not after. Before. <laughs> Before you prepare for this jump, and you're tied to another person, which is really odd for me. You know, there's another man strapped to my back as we're jumping out of this plane. But I talked to him. I'm like, how do I know I'm not going to die? He says, well, here, you see this little carabiner clip? This thing holds 400 pounds. That's like three of you. So you're good. And this thing will hold you to me. You're not going anywhere. He says, but just in case, we're going to put four of these on there. So you are strapped in. It's the same thing with marriage. You're going to try something crazy like uh, sex. You probably want to be married. No, you do. You want to be locked into for better, for worse, for richer, for poor, in sickness and health. Death, because those four things are the things that, that are going to make that commitment, that covenant, and that thing actually work. You say, well, you know what, Mark? We're, you know, that, that's great. That's a great ideal and great utopian you know, thought, but you know, I'm not there. That's not really me. I got good news for you too, because there's the reason why Jesus died on the cross, is that you didn't have to do it. All he's saying is, and what we're saying this morning, is that you take the road of the flesh. It will lead you to that destination in life. And, you know, I think that the thought is our young people need to hear this. Because as I just do the research and gone through the the whole thing of purity rings and and the whole bit of, hey, you know what, don't have sex or you're going to get pregnant or don't have sex, you're going to get an STD. You know, and it's this thought of don't have sex because God will be mad at you isn't working. The stats are just showing us now that, that there's so many of those, those people who say, yeah, they had the purity talk, but it didn't give them the power to do it. <laughs> no kidding. We've just read Galatians and just realized that there is no power in that. I don't want to raise a generation of young people who sit in our church and who, you know, try really hard not to have sex, and if they do, try really hard to hide it. I want to raise a generation of young people who know Christ. Because in knowing Christ and in walking in the Spirit, they're going to have every power they need when they're in the, in, the, in the grip of temptation to say, no, I'm going to wait because it's better. I'm going to wait because that's what He wants from me. And to have that in your heart. Yeah. Can we just talk today? Don't worry, the rest aren't going to take that long. Any comments? keeps going. He says, we're going to talk about idolatry and sorcery, these kind of things. We don't, we don't really have a whole lot of idolatry and sorcery probably here. Any witches here this morning? No. Okay. Well, we don't don't usually have a lot of that, but he's saying, you know, any times where you're making something else to be God in your life, maybe it's money. In the message, it calls it trinket gods and, and magic show religion, where it's like this fake thing of where it's like fake signs and wonders. There's real ones, but, of course, there's fake ones, too, where it's like it's all about these, uh, these things that are happening. And there's no relationship with Christ. It's just about the, ooh, the next fix. Ooh, that guy did that. Ooh, that was amazing. He says, you know what? All it leads you to is empty religious things, empty religious practices. You go to church, but you don't connect with God. You, you pray, but, you know, it's just so that you like, oh, dear Lord, bless us food in Jesus' name. Amen. It's like it, it, it loses what it was ever meant to be. And he says there's supposed to be a life that's there. Then it talks about some attitudes of the flesh. At the end of uh, that verse, it says um, there's things called hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish uh, ambition, dissension, division, and envy. You know, here's talking about some attitudes that lead to realities in our life. It's uh, like this hostility, this ill will towards someone else. You you know, you ever have that? You you just feel on the inside, somebody says something, you're like, you know, that person at work that just drives you nuts, they say something and it's like, you're just antagonistic. You want to say something back to them yeah yeah well, what about this you know and it 's like and, and, and what happens? you go down that road a little that train tracks a little ways all of a sudden there 's outbursts of anger. You wonder why that kind of thing happens let's just let 's just talk. You put this in your home. You put this anywhere in your, let, let's just go straight to your home. You'll find it there, you know. It's, uh, you, 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 your wife looks at you the wrong way, and you're like, what's that for? What do you mean, what's that for? I, you, you know what I mean. I don't know what you mean. I didn't do nothing. Yes, you did. You looked at me like this. I am scratching my eye. You know, and it's like, oh, that's it. It's on. Well, your mother was like that too, yeah? Well, your father-in-law was like, And it's like, boom. And all of a sudden, you're like in this outburst of anger, causing division, causing dissension. Why? Because it's, it's a track of the flesh. It can happen anywhere. It can happen in churches. Anybody been a part of a church split before? Not fun. You know, it's like, oh, we're going to choose. Are we going to have chairs in the auditorium or pews? We can't have chairs. God only shows up if there's pews, you know. You can't go to chairs. It's, it's the end. So all of a sudden it's like, hey, we go to chairs and half of them are empty. Because it has it was nothing to do with the chairs. It, nothing to, it has to do with that attitude of, of the flesh saying, this is kind of where I want to go. Can I tell you that when you're free to be who you are and whose you are, when you're just free in that, you know, I'm okay just to be me because I'm God's kid. You have an incredible freedom to just love one another. You don't have to have this thought anymore of trying to um, uh, compare, compare yourself or be jealous or envious of them. What do they got that you don't got? You're his kid. You know, they're his kid. You don't have to try and make yourself into something greater than they are because you know what? you really got nothing to prove. You, he loves you. You can't, you can't change that. He loves them. You're free to love one another. Then it carries on and says there's addictions. It's called drunkenness and wild parties and other sins like these. Drunkenness and wild parties, and, you know, it's a nice translation of it. It calls it drunkenness and orgies, which those two words actually were together. And basically it says that what they're talking about is this, this thing of giving yourself over to something to find some peace, some pleasure, some happiness for a moment. You know, our, our society, even though there's churches on every corner, are still so lost for the sense of purpose in real life that, they, they, that we fill our lives with stuff like that. You know, that just maybe that, that drink is going to give me some happiness for a little bit. You know, that those drugs are going to get me through this, this, this painful spot just for a little bit. And we give ourselves over to it. But the thing is, you wake up after and you realize all the problems are still there. He's saying you take those tracks. This is, this is the only hope of freedom that you have. It's going to be in a bottle or in a syringe or in a pill or something else. He says, but I'm telling you, there's something so much better. The choice is ours to walk out. He says that we've been set free to live for freedom's sake. Anybody seen the movie Charlotte's Web? Charlotte's Web's a movie about a pig named Wilbur. Uh, it's pretty cool. pretty cool movie. You should watch it. Well, Wilbur, he breaks out. He breaks out of the gate and he's actually smashing his head on the boards and all the other things are like, "Huh, huh he's, he's so dumb, he's so dumb. Then all of a sudden he breaks out and like, oh, he's so smart, he's so smart, you know, he's free. And, and Wilbur's running around, they're like, hey, hey, go, stay free, stay free. What happens? The farmer starts hitting the slop bucket and saying, you know, come here, pig, pig, pig. Hitting the slop bucket, pours it out. And what does Wilbur do? Walks right back in through that same gate, back to the slop and realizes that I want to challenge you with the same thought. You know what? You find yourself saying, I feel like what you've talked about is describing me. You know, that, that I want to tell you that because of what Jesus did, you are already free. You don't need to try and stop all that stuff. You don't need to try and change all that stuff. He's setting you free, and now he gives you the choice to say, I've already made you free. You don't have to try and get it all together. You are free, but now just live in that freedom. Just go this way. When the slot bucket, you hear it tinkling, you know, you hear the sounds of saying, hey, come back to this. You know it'll be worth it. Realize it's a lie and don't go back. Just stay free. And then it says in Galatians 5.22, this is why it's so amazing. He's showing you, hey, this is where those tracks lead. Now let me show you where these ones lead. It says, when you walk in the Spirit, the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Guess who's doing it? Him, it's not like you have to try and do this again, not 10 or 9 commandments of you got to be more loving, have more joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There's no law against these things. Paul's not saying that you need to be more loving, you need to be more kind. Come on, try and work on that patience thing a little bit. Sheesh, you know, I know he's preaching long, but just be patient. You know, he's not, he's not telling you you got to try and do these things. He just says as you walk this way, that stuff's going to start growing in your life. Paul says the fruit of the Spirit. Now i got to ask you a question if it's singular or plural. Is he talking about singular fruit or plural fruit? Singular. Very good. There's no S on the end of fruits. It's fruit. He says the fruit of the Holy Spirit. You know why he says it that way? Because you grow in all of it at the same time. Otherwise, you'd have this option to say, "Well, I'm going to work on love." You know, and think about the oddity of this. Can you say, you know, I'm I'm doing really good at love. I'm just really sucking at kindness. <laughs> it doesn't work. You know, I'm like ace at patience, but I just got no self control. It doesn't work. Why? Because it's all wrapped up in that. First Corinthians thirteen just shares all that. Love is patient. Love is kind. He says, "There's no law against these things." Meaning, there's no law that says. You know, be loving and it will give you the power to be loving. We know that already. And it also says that when you're living this way, there's no law that condemns you, that says, hey, you know what, you shouldn't do this or that because, you know what, when you're living out of these things, you're actually living out the law that that we've been talking about all this time. You just live it by choice now. It's those desires in the heart that change. The fruit of these things is things like love, agape kind of love. It's a love of choice. It's not motivated by feelings. It's not the love that you can fall out of. You have this love in your heart, you can't fall out of that kind of love, which is amazing for us because that's the kind of God, love that God has for you. <laughs> you know, you can't fall out of His kind, His kind of love. Romans 5:5 5, 5 says it's been poured out in your heart. And you know, this, this this fruit in your life, it's it's incredible. Joy, it talks about it being gladness. It's strength that's going to carry you through trials and struggles. It talks about it in James. You know, I experienced that this week. This week I'm in a hospital room. Uh, sitting with the Cafazo family, sitting with Mark and Joanna, as the doctor sits down with them, the head neurosurgeon, and says this. He says, "We got this. Is my easiest surgery I've ever done." He says, "This is my the most difficult surgery I've ever done on a brain." And he says, "And your son's is right here. There are eight things that can go wrong. He could have a stroke. He could lose the ability to swallow. He could become uh, brain dead. He he could um, his nerve uh, damage could be there. He could lose the ability to walk and move and." Also, he has the ability, possibility that he will not come out of this alive. Will you sign your name on the consent form? Can I tell you something? There wasn't a whole lot of happiness in that room. You know, we have this whole sense of, oh, we want happiness, happiness, happiness. Can I promise you that you're going to go through some really tough times and happiness ain't going to cut it, but joy will? The inner strength that I watched as they sat there with just the peace of God in their life, this joy that was going to carry them through the unknown situation ahead of them, the hope that they had in there, the love that they had. They uh, said, can we pray with you to the surgeons? And then they made me pray for them. But, uh, <laughs> but man, to watch that. And as we walked out, we stayed at Ronald McDonald House and we're over there and we're talking to the, to the person who's, uh, running the, who's volunteering at the desk. And she had just lost her husband to cancer uh, recently and her, her son had uh, just been diagnosed with uh, muscular dystrophy. And she was a believer and she was just down in the dumps. And she's like, you know, my faith is so tested. I don't even think God's real or God exists anymore. And we began to talk. And they began to share their story. And she's like, how are you doing this? How do you have this peace? Like, how is this possible? Like, because he's real. Whatever you've believed in here, he says, if you can get it here, there's there's this thing. We had a chance just to share with her. And it was just incredible. We had people come visit the hospital. And they said, we came to encourage, you know, Mark and Joanne. And when they left, they said to me, it's weird, I feel more encouraged by them than I think I brought to them. What is that? It's the fruit growing in their lives. It's the fruit of walking in the Spirit. And guess who that fruit is for? Other people. They pick that fruit off of your life and say, what is it about you, man? How do you have peace in this situation? How do you have strength? How do you have joy? How do you have hope? Why? Because it's gospel. It's that good news of what Jesus has done and that that walking in the Spirit. Those train tracks are taking you to this life. Can we just say that here's the offer on the table this morning? That there's a life that says, if I take these tracks and set my mind on the flesh, this is a life I can expect. Or if I say I'm going to set my mind on the Spirit, this is the life that I can expect and He gave it to you? Man, the gospel is good, good news. How do, you, how do you bear this fruit in your life? Bible talks about it. Jesus said to his disciples in John 15, stay connected to the vine. Those who remain in me, who abide in me, who are continually present with me, they bear much fruit. Our focus is just on remaining in him. Don't get caught up this morning and think I'm telling you, be more loving, be more kind, be more gentle. He says, just focus on Jesus. Stay connected to him. You know, it's this whole thing of you can't bear fruit if you're not connected to him. And we're all about connected. We get that, you know. For those of you who have Facebook, you know, or Twitter, or Pinterest, or what, Instagram, you know, I think we should just mix them all together and have like Twipin pin and, and save everybody a lot of time. He, but there's this connection of, of things. But you can understand it if I would say it this way. Like what he likes. You know, follow his tweets, which are in here and which come in here. Follow those things. You know, the pictures that he shares with you that you're like, whoa, that's cool. Share those. Repin them. Send them to your neighbor and say, hey, you know what? This is what God's been showing me because what does it do? It encourages. It's absolutely incredible. Galatians 5, 24, 25, 26. Let's finish this off. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross. They've crucified them there. Since we're living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Let us not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. See how he ends this whole thing off? The way he started was, hey, you guys are going to bite and devour each other. He says you're supposed to be loving one another. Then he talks about all this stuff, and then he says it again. Here's this whole thought of it's about each other. Make sure that that's happening with each other. But it says those who have experienced freedom, those who are Christ, who have experienced this freedom of following Christ, it says they've done something. They've, they've nailed their sinful desires to his cross. They've crucified those things with him. What does that mean? It means this, that as this week, even as we look at Good Friday, we identify with the fact that we need the cross. That's, that, that's not Jesus' story. That's my story. That that's my sin that he gave his life for, and I believe he took it all and washed it clean that I identify with that on a daily basis, that I keep looking to the cross as the only answer to the sin problem that I have, that he's the one. And then it says this, and I want to share this with you as well. Crucifying the flesh involves some other things as well. It involves that thought process of maybe, you know, if you realize, hey, I've got struggles in an area, that struggle is revealing your heart. So it says, you know, some of the things you can do if you've got a problem with alcohol, stay away from the bar. Stay away from your buddy's garage. If you've got an, you know, that's not legalism. That's wisdom. Those barriers alone, if that's all you do, you're missing it. But he says, set up some barriers in your life and then heap logs of, uh, on the fire of your heart and the relationship that you have with Jesus. Keep putting that as forefront, but put up some boundaries to give yourself a chance. If, you got, uh, if you're struggling with pornography, you need to have some filters on your computers at home. You need to have some accountability in your life that's gonna take you through that because, you know, the freedom is there for you and you can live and walk in freedom from that thing. You don't, may not believe that. If gossip's your issue, then, then unfriend those people that keep putting that, that, that information in there. Or maybe you gotta stop phoning that person who you know is gonna give you all the dirty dirt and wants to hear it. You know, it's just put up some of those things. Crucify that part of your flesh. And dating. You know, if you're in the dating stage, maybe your parents. My parents did something that I hated tell you right now, but it's the best thing they ever did for me. They said, Mark, you're not dating until you're 18. I was like, that is just not, that's not godly. I'm like, well, show us in the Bible where it says you can date before you're 18. I was like, thanks for that, you know. Uh, all I can find is honor your parents, and it will go well for you, you know. Uh, and I'm like, oh, you know, this is terrible. Yet, can I tell you now that on the other side, on the flip side, what they had was incredible wisdom, that they, they protected me from all of this, this sexualized stuff that could have happened in my life up until that point. It got me to the place where I can make, you know, somewhat sane decisions about relationships. And because of that, I'm married to the most amazing woman in the world. That because of that, my marriage rocks. We have a great, great relationship. We have four kids and, and there's no baggage that we have to deal with every single day. Maybe it wasn't true for your life. But I challenge you to, to help make that true for our generation of young people. They're getting it from every other side. Let's give them some strength. It's not legalism, it's wisdom. And it's not just avoiding the stuff, but it's focusing on Christ and doing both. It's like, you know, I think this whole study that we've done has been like power seeding a lawn. You know, spring's coming. Uh, it's one of those things where, you know, if you've got weed problems, one of the things they tell you is just plant so much seed, so much grass seed in your lawn that as it grows up, it chokes out the weeds. I believe that's what's happening in my life as I've been studying the gospel and the good news, and I keep looking at it and keep looking at it and keep looking at it. It's like planting seeds in here that just choke out the weeds. It's like the stuff that I was struggling with. It just, uh, I just don't want it anymore. It's strange because I've I've lived in freedom from things. I'll share my testimony on testimony Sunday, but I've struggled with things in my life that I was not free from. I could I could stop doing it. I could stop I could stop um, you know the 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 outward actions for a time, and I could could handle it. I could set up boundaries and barriers, but my heart was finding a way around those every single time. I'll just tell. Well, no, I won't. I'll tell you on that Sunday. But you know what? Anyways, I'm at a place in my life now where I've realized the word is real and true. You put this in your heart long enough and hard enough and fast enough and just keep putting it in there, into your heart, what ends up happening is it overseeds and it just chokes out those things. And it's no big deal anymore. The desire has lost its power. The enemy has lost its power. And true freedom is mine to have. When we sing these songs, you've given me freedom. (laughs) I know it. I know it. And I tell you it's true. This morning, I want to challenge you with that to crucify your flesh the thing is, the Bible just says, Galatians 5:1. it was for freedom that you could be set free. It's the offer on the table this morning, not for me, from Jesus. To you saying, I gave my life for this, that you could have freedom and you can have freedom. Today, the, uh, the, the, the choice is the same, that you have the choice if you're a follower of Christ you say, God, I've trusted in you. You are 100% saved and justified and forgiven and righteous because of that decision. But now the decision comes to say, I want to walk either in the Spirit and keep going and growing in this relationship with God or to say, I'm going to walk in the flesh and I'm going to keep going after this because I think it's going to finally one day do it for me. That choice is yours this morning. Maybe you're here and you don't know Christ. (laughs) i got great news for you. The guilt, the shame, all the stuff that... uh, you feel in your life you're like, man, I just don't get it why my life hasn't worked out the way I thought it would. It doesn't work without him. I'm not here to offer you rules this morning. I'm not offering church membership. I'm not offering any of that. I'm just offering you a simple thing called freedom, life, purpose. And all it says is saying, you know what, Jesus? <laughs> I believe what this guy said. You know, if you are real, I, would you just reveal yourself to me? I decide that I don't want to live this way anymore. I just want to follow you. Would, you. would you save me? I'm sorry for the things that I've done. I want to live my life for you. He'll save you. I believe there's saving power in this place this morning for you. it's as simple as saying, that's what I want. I encourage you to come talk to me or somebody afterwards. Anybody here can introduce you to Jesus. Let's pray together, Father. (laughs) Dad, thank you, thank you, thank you for your word. Thank you for what it reveals in our life, that it is good news. Holy Spirit, thank you for freedom. I believe that I've shared what you put on my heart to share this morning, and now I ask, Holy Spirit, that you would do what you've designed and desired to do, that you would take these words uh, this morning from your word, that you would plant them deep in the hearts of people here, that they would grow and they would bear the same fruits of freedom in their life. Father, I pray for people here who are really struggling. God, I pray for those who are going through that battle with the flesh every single day and are losing I pray that today would just inspire them that they know that they can choose freedom. And as they walk out in it, God, I pray that as they build that relationship with you and, and just put their trust and focus on your good news, that you would set them free. Thank you for that this morning. Thank you for the, the, what this week is all about. Jesus, that you loved us so much you came and gave your life for us. We, we celebrate that. Uh, as we leave this place, I pray that as we take your spirit in us, wherever we go, that we'd be a light that shines, that the fruit of, uh, uh, in our lives that you're producing would bless the world around us, that we'd be light in these dark, dark places. And I thank you, Lord, that these things, that hope and love, joy and peace, patience, kindness, and all of those things would fill each and every person's home this week as they set their minds on you. Love you a lot, God. It's for your amazing name and it's for your glory. That if anything comes of this that is good, it is because of you. And we promise, even now, to give you praise for those things. (laughs) For, yeah, for the name above every other name, Jesus. It's about you. Amen.